This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 44. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood. I'm here with my bald and beautiful co-host, Chris Graham. How you doing, Chris? I am good, man. It is beautiful in Ohio right now, so I've been riding my bike a lot. How are you, sir? Oh, you've remembered. I'm actually great. My little niece was born a couple days ago, so I got to spend some time with her. I'm officially an uncle now. Little Ella Rose Logan. That's my uh, sister's baby. That's a beautiful name. Yeah. I love it. I'm extremely stoked to be an uncle now, but... Anyways, on to the episode, which is what people actually care about. This is a very important episode for you guys. And if you are listening and you're thinking, just based off the title, I don't know if I should listen to this episode. This is one of those, I'd say, non-smorgasbord of advice episodes. This is one where every single one of these things is going to apply to almost every person. Yeah, that's true. And it's that kind of episode. And so this is basically the three hard conversations you have to have with your clients in some way, shape, or form. It may have to adapt it a little bit depending on what little niche you're in or what service you're offering. But these are really important things to cover with every one of your clients. And if you don't, it is going to be at your own peril. So this is kind of like a follow-up, a part three of our Find More Client series. That was episode 42, where we talked about lead generation, generating more leads for your studio. That's the first part of finding more clients. Episode 43, where we talked about conversions, where we're talking about converting those leads into paying customers. And now we're on episode 44. This is basically about how you keep your customers. Once you get a customer, how do you keep them for life? And part of it is having these three very important conversations with your client that really a lot of us may avoid, especially this first one here today. Yeah. And not only is this about keeping those clients, it's also about keeping your sanity. It's also about not being successful and miserable. That's an important thing to think about. You can be successful and miserable. So true. And not just in our industry. I mean, like this is a really common theme, kind of the funny illustration that a lot of people, a lot of business books use is when you climb to the top of the ladder and realize the ladder was leaning up against the wrong wall. These are things that you want to think about. Honestly, this is an 80-20 thing that we're doing. As a studio owner, 20% of the causes of your frustration are going to create 80% of your frustration and misery of being a studio owner. And not just misery and frustration, but conflict with your artists, with your clients, because this conflict can stem from the lack of having these conversations, the lack of things being communicated correctly. Just because of that little 20% you missed, you lose out on a lot of clients coming back to you. Yeah, totally. I would say if you run a home studio, if you record people for a living, you need to keep this in mind. The producer's role is to keep things from getting in the way of making great art. I want to argue with that a little bit. Do it. I do not disagree with the producer's role being to keep things from getting in the way of making great art, but I think that's every person's role, whether you are a songwriter or you're a mixing engineer or a mastering engineer. Every one of us has this responsibility, not just the producers. Yeah. A creator's role is to keep things from getting in the way of great art. Yeah. I love that. I completely agree. One tiny little asterisk that you need to keep in mind here is the idea of letting the market do the dirty work. These are hard conversations, but if you don't have any other clients and your client knows that, these conversations get exponentially harder. Why is that? Well, it gets easier when the client knows, hey, you're late. And the client's like, I don't care because you have nothing else going on in your life. 
what you're saying basically is they don't respect you in this scenario. Exactly. If there's no respect there, it is very much more difficult to have these conversations. So it's kind of one of those like chicken before the egg. You gain respect from having these hard conversations, but it's also hard to have these conversations if you don't have respect. So hopefully you can muster the courage to have these conversations if you are not respected by your artists. And there are a lot of things that really we should have an entire episode about making sure you're maintaining respect with your artists and they're respecting you. Yeah. Uh, because it does make everything easier, but that's worth mentioning for sure. Super worth mentioning. And to go down a rabbit hole before we even get started, a lot of the issue that people have running recording studios or production companies or what have you is that as an industry, we are enablers towards artists. We let artists walk all over us. How so? You can be late. You can owe money. You can be late on payments. You can act like a moron and bring drugs into the studio because all of us treat artists like this. Artists treat all of us like this. There's a rub there. And I'd say most people that I know that allow artists to walk all over them, it's because they just want to make things easier for their clients. They think that by allowing things to slide, by letting things be, you know, more laissez-faire, if that's even used correctly. I don't know. I've heard that term used before. <laughs> Did I use it right, Chris? Uh, technically, it's an economic term uh, coined by the French to let be, to let the economy grow and develop okay. well, with I think no I government correctly. restrictions whatsoever. Shut your whore mouth, Chris. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, by setting these precedents with your clients, by just letting things slide all the time, you are basically saying this is okay. In your head, you're thinking this is going to make my life easier when in actuality, you're making everything harder. Yeah. Have the courage to set the precedent from day one and to have these three difficult conversations. So let's move on to the conversations. The first one, and this is probably the easiest one to guess if anyone were guessing right now what these three hard conversations are. The first one is money. Money, 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 money. This is one that as creatives, we shy away from. We don't want to have this conversation. We want to act like there's no money involved in this project. It's only creative minds coming together to create art. But in all reality, if you are a hobbyist, this doesn't matter. If you are trying to make a living, this is incredibly important. Money is the second most important part about running a business. The first being the product that you create or the service that you provide. So this money thing, it really is important. And I think that there's a temptation in any kind of creative industry. Oh, the money, oh, you're selling out. If you think about the money, it's about the art. The money's not important. Yes, it is. And here's why. The older you get and the more responsibility you have, if you get married, if you have kids, the more important money becomes. And ultimately, what happens in most creative industries is people start young, they create, they create, they create, then reality sets in and then they have to go sell life insurance or something similar like that. The reason is because they didn't put money high enough up on their list of priorities to start with. They didn't build a business whose ultimate goal was to keep them making art for the rest of their lives. It's not about selling out, guys. It's about enabling yourself to make art all the time, forever. And that's what makes the business conversation so fun because it is an art conversation. Doing business well lets you keep making art and that's awesome. So we're talking about art. We're talking about how do you make art for the long term. The way to do this, the way to have these awkward conversations with clients is to recognize that I'm doing this for the sake of art. I'm doing this to make better art. And in order to make better art, I have to be passionate enough to be willing to have the hard conversations. That's a big deal. So I think the easiest thing to do here is to just own it, is to sit down with the client and say, all right, you know, we got to have that awkward money conversation. Yay. And just make fun of it. 
point out that it's awkward and don't pretend that it's not awkward. That's one of my favorite things to do. If something is awkward, just point it out because they're thinking yeah. the exact same thing. And honestly, in my experience, this is not really an awkward part of my interaction with artists. Back when I used to have bands in the studio with me, I would just sit them down day one or the night they came into the studio before we started the next day because I actually had bands living at the studio. And we would just say, okay, looking forward to it. We'd talk about the project a little bit and then say, okay, let's actually let's get the money thing sorted out. Do you guys have the money for this project? And that's just the way you start the conversation. If they don't have the money, this becomes a little more awkward. But nine times out of 10, the artist would come in cash in hand, ready to pay me because, and this goes back to setting expectations ahead of time, they knew that it was due on the first day of recording. I prefer people pay you on the first day, but no matter whether it's the first day or once you've finished the project, no matter what, you need to have this conversation on the first day or else you're never going to have it. Yeah. And ultimately what that comes down to, and this applies to every single one of these hard conversations, is there are only two ways to go about difficult things. Hard, easy or easy, hard. You can do the hard things first and it's easier later, or you can do the easy things first and it'll be much harder harder later. There's a book that I recommend about this. It's called Eat That Frog. It's by Brian Tracy. And it's all about doing the hard things first. Eat that frog first in the morning or the beginning of the month, the thing you hate to do the most so that you can have easy for the rest of the day or for the rest of the month. Yeah, that's amazing. You could pretty much sum up all of our advice in choose hard easy over easy hard. Yeah. That's pretty much everything we're advising people is do a little bit of hard work first that makes the rest of the work easy down the line. So here's our next point, business model. You have to figure out ahead of time, what's your business model? Are you taking a deposit in advance? Are you requiring half up front and half on delivery? You have to solve these problems and you have to make a commitment and say, here is my policy. And there has to be consequences. There has to be, if this isn't paid by this date, then this happens. It has to be some sort of, you're not going to get your music. You're not going to get mixes, something where you're withholding something until you get paid. Leverage. Yeah, there's leverage with it. If it's just, here's everything and I hope you pay me one day. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you're listening to this podcast, right? Is that <laughs> You've tried that and it didn't work out. So yeah, you have to decide your business model. You have to decide as a policy. So here's a good example. When I was producing years and years and years ago, my policy was I won't send you anything that's even sort of releasable until you've paid me in full. And the big idea there was I don't want you to, whoa, apparently my notifications are not off. That was mind-blowingly loud. You just get blown up? Yeah. All right, so I'm going to get back into this. So what I used to do is I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Did you, are you telling me you checked when there wasn't a check on the checklist, Chris? Apparently I did. Well, we have an episode, go back to episode number <laughs> 40, where we talk about how we use checklists to boost our income, creativity, and consistency. I love it. So the business model thing here, what I used to do is I used to say, I would have a one page bullet point agreement with myself and a client. One of the last points on it was, I won't be sending you a file that's releasable until I've been paid in full. Yes. And the big idea there wasn't to be a jerk or it wasn't because I'm some business dude. It was, I need to be able to focus on making great art. And to do that, I need the freedom to be able to fully immerse myself in it. If 20% of my effort as a studio owner is chasing payments, ugh, that can destroy you. It can absolutely wreck your business, not just because you won't get paid, but because it's exhausting and you don't want to come into work the next day when you know like, oh, I have to make these extremely hard phone calls 
Hey, Bob. Uh, sorry, it's me again. Fifth voicemail. You still owe me $500. And, and I saw you've been promoting the record. And uh, call me. That's just the worst. This is what I tell people all the time. If I talk to them about this sort of thing, if they're hesitant about either taking money up front, which is what I recommend, the very least having this money conversation up front, you need to decide right now. Do you want to be a producer or a mixer or a mastering engineer or whatever you are? Do you want to be that or do you want to be a debt collector? Preach. That's what you're going to be if people owe you money and you're having to chase it down. Not only that, but again, when people don't pay you what they owe you, they have damaged both relationships. They've damaged this relationship and it's not your fault necessarily because they're the one that owes you money, but now the relationship is damaged. I have a friend that borrowed $20 from me like five years ago and I never saw him again. I don't care about the $20, but that $20 kept him from ever talking to me again because he avoided me after that. Ooh. That is a lesson that I will never forget about. The friend that I lost for $20, basically. Ouch. That's intense. So let's move on now to the next conversation that is very difficult to have, but also one that you have to have. And that is the conversation about, we could call this art direction. You can call this creative direction. You can call it a lot of things, but it's basically just the conversation about what's your vision for this record or for this album or for this piece of art that we're creating. Yeah. So this is an important conversation. I remember really early on in my career, one of the first records I mastered, I didn't do this well when I first started out. This is 2006, I want to say. And the client, I sent him back masters and it was this thing where he's like, oh man, these are great. Oh, these sound so good. And the vision he had communicated was I wanted to sound modern and cutting edge. So, oh, this is amazing. This sounds great. And then two days later, my phone rang. Man, these masters don't sound good. <laughs> Could you make them sound like old and vintagey? Oh my gosh. Um, well, that's the opposite of what you wanted. You asked me to do. So like that whole conversation about figuring out what's the end product? What's the goal? Where do they want to go? You have to understand that or else you're going to end up at the end of the process with all this extra work reversing course. It's not just asking them, it's actually a conversation. This is why this is part of the three conversations you need to have yeah. because you need to find out A, what they think they want and then B, what they actually want or actually need because what they think they want is not actually what they need most of the time. So it's up to you to have the conversation to bring that out of them in order to make sure you're giving them what they really want or really need as a client. Yeah, slightly self-pitchy when I do mastering samples for people, I always send two samples. I send one that's the way I think it should be. And I send one that's slightly over compressed, but still musical. When they book a project with me, there's a question on the project form that automatically shows up if I've done a sample for them. Which version did you prefer of the samples I did? Number one or number two. When I start a project, I see what they selected, sample one or sample two, and that dictates my mindset moving forward. That saves me so much time because back in the day, it would always be, you know, oh, these masters are too loud or oh, those masters are not loud enough. Oh, I didn't know that's what you wanted. Oh, my bad. Okay, well, let me approach this from a slightly different mindset. So just a little trick like that, you'll have to figure out how to apply that in your own niche. Having an idea of what they want ahead of time, you could even do this by let's do one song to completion first before we do the other songs on the album, instead of like switching direction on all 10 songs or 15 songs. This actually goes back to our episode number 35, where we start talking about shortening the feedback loop 
Mm-hmm. This conversation we're talking about now, casting the vision, having a conversation with the artist where you're determining what they need as an artist or what they're looking for, what their vision is for this record, that applies for all of us. But then going back to episode number 35, it's that episode where we shorten the feedback loop, which is what you're talking about now, Yeah, where we want to get that feedback as soon as possible. All of our episodes are basically different aspects that all play together in different ways, shapes, and forms. Yeah. I definitely understand what you're saying there. It's very important that we have both of these things in play. Yeah, absolutely. The next item that we have on the art and imitation or creative direction hard conversation is goals. Now, this seems like a duh. This is so dumb we shouldn't even have in the podcast, but it's ridiculously important. You need to understand what the client's goal is for their project. Is it, I wrote a song about my girlfriend. I want it to sound amazing so I can give it to them. Or is it, I want to record this song with you and I never want anyone to hear it ever. It's just for me. Or is it, I want to be the next Justin Bieber or something like that. What they want, what their ultimate goal is, whether it's a hobby or a career or whatever, really has a humongous impact on the project. There's a fine line between, I want the best art ever and I just want to be ridiculously famous. When you figure out what the client's ultimate goal is there, you can begin to serve them better, so much better. And you have to have that honest conversation with them of like, you know, let's say we make a record together, we finish, it's perfect in your eyes. It's absolutely everything you've dreamed of. And as a result of this record, here is what happened. If you know, if you can get inside your client's head and know what the ultimate goal is, it makes all this stuff so much more easy than making assumptions about, well, I thought it should sound like this. You can start to have real conversations about the decisions you're making and whether those decisions serve the client's ultimate goal. Not only that, but having this conversation and understanding what their goals are can help you add additional value that you may not have been able to add had you not known that that was their goal. Just use this as an example. If the artist wants to be the next Justin Bieber and you just happen to have connections with someone that knows how to connect them with a booking agency or connect them with a management company that can get them to that next level, not to Justin Bieber status, obviously, unless you're working already with huge artists, but to get them to that next level they need, because obviously they're going to be in steps in their careers. They're not going to go straight from nobody to Justin Bieber overnight. But if you can help them on their journey, just the sheer fact that you are trying to help them reach their goals goes a long way about making them a repeat customer. Because if what you're doing to add value is aligned with the goal that they have, that is a game changer. No one else that they work with is going to be doing that, unless they're also a listener to this podcast. Yeah, so that's the amazing thing about the goals conversation. I think your ultimate goal as someone providing creative services or audio services or whatever is your business will do better if your clients get to the next level. You need to understand what that next level is or could be for that client. All right, Brian. Yes. This next one is tough. Yeah. It's probably, I think, the most difficult one. Why? Fear. Understanding your client's fear. Real quick, Chris, this is still in the artistic direction or artistic vision conversation, right? Absolutely. And it's related to this goals thing. One of the things that you have to understand when you're working with artists is that every artist, at least some of the time, is motivated by fear. Yes. This is like, I will fight anyone who disagrees with me on this. This is such an important thing to understand about artists is that when an artist puts out a piece of art, 
every single person who hears it will judge them. That's terrifying. Yeah. Super terrifying. And the funny illustration I like to use, it's a little crude, so forgive my crudeness here, is that putting out a song is much more emotionally intense for an artist than posting a naked picture of themselves on the internet. If they posted a nude, everyone's going to have opinions. Oh man, he, <laughs> he really needs to hit the gym or, oh geez, go to the tanning booth, buddy, or you know, whatever. <laughs> There's going to be thoughts there. With art, it's so much more intense because it's like, here's a naked picture of my soul. What do you <laughs> think about my naked soul? I've communicated it through music. That's terrifying. So when it comes to the artist's sphere, how does this play into this conversation about artistic direction or artistic vision? Well, it plays into it because you need to understand that fear creates irrational actions, that your artist is going to fixate on things that don't serve their goal just because they want to alleviate their fears. Their fears are much more salient. They're much more real to them than their goals are. And your role as a producer is a lot of times to help them deal with their fear so they can focus on their goal. So how does this come up in this conversation? So let's just say we're talking about the artistic vision, artistic direction. We've talked about their goals. As a conversation, how does this play out when it comes to understanding their fear or at least discussing their fears? Well, I am not a psychologist, nor do I play one on TV, but I would say that this is a conversation that's difficult to have beforehand. At least in my experience, it's one of these things that just sort of happens as you get to know them and as you interact with them and all of a sudden they're obsessed with something. They won't drop the fifth harmony, their obsession with getting the fifth harmony on the second bridge of the fifth song. And they want to spend eight hours on that because they're afraid they'll be judged for it not being perfect. It's this pursuit of perfection and recognizing, hey man, your songs aren't going to be perfect. And until you're cool with that, you aren't going to make good songs. This is such a complicated conversation. We could have a whole podcast episode about how fear affects us as artists. Yeah, straight up from my career of having bands in the studio with me. It's weird, but like you are essentially playing a psychiatrist or a counselor. Yep. Honestly, it would benefit you as a producer if you have artists in the studio, especially massively to study psychology because this stuff is it's a cauldron of emotion and different egos and all sorts of things that play in the studio especially when it's a band with multiple artists and to be able to navigate this and when you have fear thrown into the mix like this it is really complex and i don't really want to go to that rabbit hole any further because this could go on for a really long time but i do definitely agree that Maybe this isn't a conversation you're going to bring up immediately, but this is part of the conversation when it comes to artistic direction, that when you're hit that point where the artist's fear of being judged, their, you know, for lack of a better term, OCD about some specific performance or some specific thing is really related to fear. Yeah, they procrastinate. Yeah, it's a form of procrastination. Uh, and this also manifests itself a lot when it comes to revisions too. You'll see this a lot in ridiculous revision requests from artists. <laughs> and this is where having that conversation and understanding their point of view is going to be very beneficial. So I, I agree. It's kind of a rabbit hole because there's a lot of baggage on this subject, <laughs> but yeah. it's definitely worth pointing out. Yeah. It's pretty easy to diagnose this as an issue with an artist, I think. Probably diagnosis is a really inappropriate word to use here. But I can recall years ago, we had a client that one of my guys was mixing for and the client kept coming back with seriously the revision notes were as specific as turn up the third harmony on the second chorus 
0.1 dB. Anyone that's been doing this is laughing right now. Anyone that's doing this for a while, we've all gotten those revision notes yeah. before. And that is when you have to have this conversation though. This is yeah. the conversation you need to have when those points come up. It's probably easier in some ways to just do the stupid revisions that are not in any way affecting it in a positive way. It might be. It's much more difficult, but appropriate to have the conversation and communicate to them why these sorts of things are not affecting it in a positive way. And then if they still want it, obviously you get the client what they want. But anyways, let's keep moving on here just for sake of brevity here. Wait, did you have anything you wanted to add or what? Right on. Well, it's this next item on our list, which is essentially how to have the conversation when you see fear-motivated procrastination or fear-motivated um, revisions or whatever. And I like to call this studio dad. Studio dad. I like to- Or studio mom. Or studio mom. I like to just sort of own the role. Of like I'm a little bit older. I'm balding. I have some life experience. I've got three kids. I did this right before the podcast with the client. He wanted to fight the loudness wars. He wants his song to be ridiculously loud. And to just call the client out in a loving way and say, look, you're really talented. You have great ideas for songs. You have great vocal tone. But you're terrified of what people think of you. And that terror, that fear is keeping you from making more songs. You're fixating on this one little tiny aspect of this song instead of making better art. And you just need to get over your fear of what people think of you. And you need to break free of that. And in that freedom, that's where you're going to make great art. So this sort of studio dad of calling out what you see in them that's a gift, where you see their talents, but then also after you've addressed that, after you've complimented them and genuinely called out their unique gifts of saying, but you have this hurdle that you need to clear. And this hurdle is your fear of what other people think. I've never not had that gone well. Isn't that what we all want? Is someone older or wiser or whatever to call out and say, you're great at this, 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 and this, but your obstacle is that. I love that. So there's a huge opportunity to, I think, to pour into people's lives and to be a mentor that can solve a lot of these issues. This can definitely be a very delicate dance though. Yes. Because it could go a very, very bad way if they take it the wrong way or if you do not preface it with a compliment first or that you do not word the criticism correctly because that is a criticism and a lot of people don't take constructive criticism very well. You need to be able to read the person really well. Yeah, I had a guy, a, a podcast listener, schedule a call with me the other day and he wanted to talk about getting some songs mastered, but also some advice. He's working with a producer who's kind of been jerking him around a little bit and he's not sure how to approach this issue. My advice to him was a compliment sandwich. I call that also a shit sandwich because <laughs> yeah. compliments on the outside and then a little shit in the center. Exactly. So the way you do this is you sit down with an artist or a client or whatever that you're having issues with, you give them a compliment, a genuine compliment that you really truly mean. Yeah. And then you say the hard thing and then you give them another compliment. Compliment, hard thing, compliment. This is also how you can fire someone too. Any hard conversation you can basically do this way. Yeah. The sandwich is an excellent method. Chris, you're an amazing podcast co-host and I've just loved having you for these 44 episodes. <laughs> However, your services are no longer required and you're a great guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's the shit I'm okay sandwich. I'm okay with that. I'm a great guy. And this is a solo podcast now. All right, let's move on. <laughs> JK. Never getting rid of you, Chris. This podcast ends when Chris Graham quits. Oh, I love you.
we've talked about the money conversation and we'd preferably like to have you knock this out. First things first is to get it out of the way so you can focus on everything else. Now you move on to the artistic direction. You've casted the vision. You've got all these things, the goals and the dreams and the desires and all these things figured out with the artist. And now you're about to get to work. But before you get to work with the artist, before you start the project with the artist, this next and final conversation, this hard conversation is honestly, if not more important, at least equally important. Probably the most. This is probably the most important because it's going to dictate how the tone of the rest of this project goes. And that is the conversation of setting boundaries and setting up proper expectations. And just to go back real quick, episode number 10, seven specific boundaries that you can put in place in your business. This is way back in episode 10. This is a really good follow-up to this episode if you want to just really dive deep into you know this one boundaries type thing. But Chris, let's talk about boundaries and expectations conversation. This is probably the thing we get the most questions on and the most complaints about in the Facebook community. I would say the first thing that you need to communicate is that contrary to popular belief, audio engineers do not work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That healthy audio engineers have time when they are not working and when they will not pick up the phone or answer a text. This is true. Or answer a Facebook message. You have to fight this urgency that our society has created that when someone texts you at three o'clock in the morning, that you are obligated to text them back at 3.01 in the morning. So that really covers our first two subsections here for this conversation. And that is setting business hours, which we talk about in episode 10 and setting up not only communication method expectations, but communication times, because that kind of goes hand in hand with business hours. If someone's trying to contact you at 3 a.m. when you're in bed with your wife and you've got you know sleeping kids in the other room and they're trying to communicate with you, this is a problem. Setting up these expectations ahead of time so they don't think they're being ignored. They don't feel like their conversation is unvalued, but instead they know that if they text you or they try to call you at 10 p.m. on a Friday night or whatever your communicated off time is, that they're not going to get a reply. And if you correctly communicate this, it is never a problem. Mm-hmm. What is a problem is when you fail to communicate these things by having this conversation with this person. Yeah. So I think when you have an expectation that they will know your expectations and your boundaries, that's your fault. That's true. So you have to address these things with clients. And so what I do that's really, really easy is my email signature communicates what my hours are. Nine to five, Monday through Friday, Eastern Standard Time. Piece of cake. What you just said there is important. An uncommunicated boundary or an uncommunicated expectation is not a boundary. It is non-existent boundary. It's a non-existent expectation. It will never work that way. So you always have to communicate this stuff. And the best way to do it is to have a conversation either in person or on the phone or through Facebook messenger, if that's your jam or text message, but preferably on the phone or in person talking about setting boundaries or setting expectations. The next thing you have on the list is setting a specific kill date. What do you mean by that, Chris? Well, a kill date is a complicated thing. One of the most sort of rookie mistakes of getting into audio for a living is to get a client and kill them? Well, probably not. Now we're a true crime podcast. This is great. <laughs> I love it. Repeat customers is really the key. So murder is difficult to rectify. But the kill date is a point when you are no longer responsible for the project. It's been released and the client can't say, oh, hey, by the way, can we also do XYZ for no more money? Oh, okay. I, I 100% agree with this. And this is the way I do it in my business. Everyone can adapt it in their own needs based on their niche and their services and their client base. But mine was after the project's done, you get three sets of revisions. And after that, I charge 
X amount per hour. When you set those things in stone, they know it's black or white. There's no gray area. There's no wiggle room. Yeah. That is essentially what you call a kill date. It's not necessarily a specific date, but it is a boundary or a policy. Kill date could also be a kill policy or some sort of policy that allows you to have a clean cut with the artist without expectation of free work for the rest of your life. Exactly. So the way I do that with my business is I say revisions are totally free. They're unlimited, but they must be requested within 30 days. Yep. After 30 days, no more revisions. All right. Some of the other ones we've had on our list today is kind of things we've covered before, but setting a release date. We talked about that a few episodes ago, setting a specific release date with the artist in a conversation so that you are both on the same page. Very important stuff. No explanation needed there. And now we need to talk about being prepared. So setting expectations and having this conversation about being prepared. And that goes for both the artists when it comes to their parts, their lyrics, all of these things, but also being prepared at the right time. Yeah. So they're in the studio for their part on the right day at the right time. These are all things that have to be communicated. Yeah. The worst thing you could possibly do is to have no expectation set at all. Hey, Joe, come on over. We're going to record a song at two o'clock. There's no end time established. There's only a start time. There's no price established. <laughs> There's no price. There's no specificness about what we're actually going to do. Yeah. But if you say, hey, I've got a session open in a week. You need to work on vocals for this song. How about from 4 p.m. until 8 p.m. We'll work on vocals for your second song on your album. So what's interesting that happens there is they have the session booked from 4 p.m. until 8 p.m. Even if you're doing one price per song and you're not doing hourly, to have specific times with a start and an end time are really valuable because the artist now knows if I show up at five, the session still ends at eight. Yep. It doesn't end at nine because they're an hour late. You didn't say you have a four hour block. You said you have between five and eight. So you can come whenever you want in that time. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to show up at 730, we've got 30 minutes yeah. to work and then you're going to go. So that's a huge thing. Just communicating that expectation where there's a kill date, an end time, that sort of thing, in my opinion, is the best thing you can do to get an artist to be prepared. So just to kind of sum all this up, there's just the three major conversations that you need to have. If not at the beginning, then at some point. And some of these are kind of spread out throughout the project. But first is the money conversation, then the artistic direction or artistic vision conversation. And then finally, the boundaries and expectations conversation. Those are three very distinct conversations. And I encourage you, if you go back and listen to episode number 40, how we use checklists to boost our income, creativity, and consistency. This is right in line with that. We actually kind of talk about this. This should be basically a checklist. Yeah. When you sit down with your artist, just have this on a checklist that you're going to be talking about these three things. Make it part of your routine, your system. It makes this entire thing less awkward when you're not just saying, oh man, like, can we talk about the money? It's, hey man, we need to have some things we have to talk about. I have a list we need to go through. And when you're sitting down with a checklist in front of you or a notepad in front of you, and you're physically looking at a list of things that you need to talk about, this becomes more professional. It's more impressive. It's less awkward and amateur when you start bringing these hard conversations up. So good. And then once you get through these tough conversations, you can then focus on the art. You're free to focus on the art without these other things looming over you. You've gotten the hard stuff out of the way. You went hard, easy, and now you can focus on the fun stuff. Mm, I love it. So I would say, you know, sort of my last two cents on this, is your goal when you're working with a vocalist is to get the vocalist to fully commit. Is to get them to 100% believe in the lyrics of the song, believe in the melody of the song, 100% dive in on the vocal. That's our advice to you with these hard conversations. 
is that you first and foremost start with a conversation with the artist and you say, hey, I am so pumped to make art with you. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so awesome. Part of my role is to keep stuff from getting in the way of making great art. So in the interest of making that great art, we need to have three awkward conversations. Ooh, that's a really good framing for this. I love that. Awesome. Yeah. So we need to have three really awkward conversations. One about money, one about artistic direction and vision, and one about boundaries and expectations. If we can knock these out, we can go freaking headfirst into making amazing art and nothing will get in our way. And you have to commit, like the vocalist, to this vision, to this, I'm going to communicate these things. It's going to be awkward, but who cares? It's going to get us in a spot where we can hit flow state and make great art. So fully commit on these. Don't just like, I'm so, um, uh, Mr. Artist, I wanted to talk about um, some money issues. Don't do that. (laughs) Fully commit like you want your vocalist to fully commit in the interest of making great art. And if you explain that to your artists and they see in your eyes, your zeal, your excitement, your sparkle to make great art, I think this is going to be easy, but you have to fully commit in the same way that making a great vocal sound good. It's difficult to make a great vocal without fully committing. It's difficult to set your boundaries, to set your artistic direction, to have the money conversation without that fully commit. So just give it a try. Fully commit with a client. See what it feels like. Totally own the awkwardness. The end result here is great art and flow state. So that's it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. If you listen to this, I know you got some takeaways. And I would encourage you, no matter what you're doing right now, stop and write down exactly what you're going to do about this. If you're driving right now, pull over, write down how these conversations look in your specific business, because it's going to look different for everybody. These conversations look different for for Chris as a mastering engineer than they do for me as a mixing engineer. It's going to look different for you if you're just a producer or a songwriter or an audio engineer. Each of these three conversations are things you have to have in some way, shape, or form. And I encourage you to write down some sort of checklist related to these three conversations and then figure out exactly where you need to have these conversations during the project. If you can do that, I think you're going to have a lot smoother projects from this point on. And you're going to start noticing some real tangible differences on how artists treat you, how smoothly things go, and how much more peace of mind you have during your projects. So if you start to do this and you hit any roadblocks, there's something Chris and I have been trying uh, as these last few episodes, if you've noticed, we have a conversation going inside of Facebook right now related to this episode. So if you have any questions for me and Chris about this episode, you can just go to the show notes and there's a link to join the conversation on Facebook. There's a link in the show notes, which you can get to by going to the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash 44, that's slash 44. Join the conversation, ask us a question. Even if you're listening to this episode weeks or months after it aired, you can still join the conversation through that link and we will still see it. We're both tagged in that post. And if someone comments in that community thread, we will see it and we will try to chime in and answer your questions. So next week's episode is all about the 80-20 principle. And this is another one of those episodes that I just can't believe it's taken us this long to actually do this episode. But this is the episode where we're gonna teach you the 20% of the efforts that you can put into your business that are gonna give you 80% of the results And that's going to free up a lot of time. That's going to hopefully make you more money. And it's going to hopefully bring you a lot more happiness and freedom in your business so that you can enjoy what you do more and ultimately create more great art. And again, that's next Tuesday at 6 a.m. As always, the next episode comes out. So until next time, thanks for listening and happy hustling. (laughs) 